welcome to this episode of Working Life, the podcast dedicated to telling the inspiring stories of amazing people in the charity and not-for-profit sector. I'm Jael Woolley. And I'm Victoria Dillon. And we are the co-founders and directors of The Talent Set, the marketing recruitment experts. And together, we are your hosts on the show. Today, we're going to be speaking to Michael Wilkinson, the digital director at RNID. We'll be talking to him about his career to date and the unusual path to the charity sector. He'll talk about all things digital in the charity sector, including his advice, top tips, and predictions of future trends. We hope you enjoy it. Oh, Michael, we're so thrilled that you are joining us today. And as we've mentioned, we just want to talk through a few things around your career path, digital in the sector. And, you know, I know we work together a lot, but for our listeners, it would be great to hear a little bit more. So can you talk us through your career to date a little bit? Because it's quite an unusual career path. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people go to a uh, different paths don't they but I suppose mine has has come predominantly from the media so I'm currently digital director but charity is definitely not my background so I started out as a as a trainee journalist on a weekly newspaper in Wiltshire I really picked up a lot of my experience in those in those early years there as a journalist and then I moved across to the the Daily Telegraph uh, where I was working as part of the digital transformation team but I was probably uh, the only person in the building who ended up with two jobs. So I also ended up doing half of my week as a political correspondent in uh, Westminster. So I, I was there at the Telegraph for four years in, in, in what was quite a sort of pivotal time for the newspaper, uh, really pushing into the digital space uh, to become you know, one of the UK's biggest uh, media outlets uh, in the online space. And then uh, after four years there, being involved in the 2015 general election, the Scottish independence referendum, the EU referendum, I felt actually it was time to to have a change. And I had a brief stint in politics, working at the Liberal Democrats for seven months. And I thought that was going to be a you know a long period building up a strategy for them. But then Theresa May dropped her general election bombshell uh, in 2017 and we uh, ended up in a a full-on general election campaign and then after the general election everybody quit and I was one of those and actually I ended up uh, moving into the charity sector and I never imagined working for a charity before it was not it was not on my career path and it just shows you don't know what's around the corner but I absolutely love it. It's I've really found my home here. So I was working at Click Sergeant, which is um, a children and young people's cancer charity. I was with them for a couple of years, and uh, and I've moved over in 2019 to to Action on Hearing Loss, which we you know we we help people who are deaf and have hearing loss uh, or tinnitus, and it's a cause that's very important to me because one of my close friends is deaf blind. So I, I use British Sign Language with him and some of my deaf friends as well. So it's a great cause to be to be at. And uh, it, yeah, it's just quite a journey that I've been on, really. And the structure at Action on Hearing Loss is quite unusual, I think, because obviously you're digital director there, but your role does include marketing and comms as well. It's quite a sort of new type of structure, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So my predecessor was actually director of marketing communications and it was quite a sort of traditional Marcoms kind of outfit there uh, that actually had uh, some elements of digital to it. So there was a kind of digital channels team that, you know, they 
put things on the website um uh that sort of stuff quite traditional uh, they they had started to create a, a user experience team but again it was very much sort of orientated around that website and sort of uploading of content without really kind of uh, moving into that more user experience led space of really putting the users at the heart of everything so it, it, I, I arrived at quite a traditional uh, setup and I was aware of that. And I, that's what actually really excited me about this challenge um, because we needed to, to move into a, a much more digital space. So marketing and, and brand is still very much um, at the heart of what we do, but we're, we're a fully integrated team between brand and, and UX and very, very user-centric uh, in a way that we, that we weren't before. It just shows that it's a real digital first organization, maybe compared to some other charities that, that we work with. Their digital teams are still considered quite separate. Tell us about some sort of key highlights that you've had since you've been at Action on Hearing Loss. Well, I would say the big thing for me is that it's a place where you can get stuck in and there's a huge challenge at every every step of the way it's you know it's definitely not easy and that's sort of well documented i think and i absolutely love that uh, so i actually took this job um i turned down another job at a perhaps a more um, established organization because i really wanted to embrace that change and it, it, you know it's under the leadership of our chief exec mark atkinson that i really kind of bought into his in, into his vision for the charity and that's very much being borne out now in the work that we've done. So I think the first few months for me were very much about getting in, in place a really strong team that was really collaborative, really focused on delivering value for the end user. That was quite challenging because, you know, at first I came in there and I felt like actually we were doing a lot of stuff. The team were working really hard, but they were doing stuff that I wasn't really sure what the value was to the end user. And I said to the team, do we really want to work like this, you know, or do we actually want to really think about what we do each day, bringing more purpose to it so that we can actually show that we're delivering really great outcomes for people who are deaf or have hearing loss or tinnitus. So that was a really big piece of work. It was about changing our mindset, changing our way of working. We became more agile. We're really focused on what do the users actually need from a charity like this. And we did a lot of research. We commissioned a big piece of research with 3,000 people last summer, 1,000 people with hearing loss and, and deafness, 1,000 of their friends and family, 1,000 of the general public. And that's really helped to inform our new strategy as a charity. And then moving into this year, obviously this year has been the craziest of years for, for us all. Oh, yes, <laughs> and, gosh. <laughs> yeah, hasn't it just? And we were in the middle of, of building a new website for the charity. Uh, and we, we were taking the approach of, you know, we're going to build a minimal viable product. It's, it's going to be really focused on those user needs. Uh, we were going to prioritize, you know, information support for, for people that were there to help. And then, of course, the lockdown came along. And the easy thing to do would have been to say, let's delay the project. But actually, what we did was the opposite. We said, right, let's launch this early. So we launched three weeks early. Half of the site wasn't even ready, but what we really wanted to do was make sure we got out the coronavirus content that we've created 
as soon as possible to try and help people because coronavirus has been a really, really terrible time for, for everybody, of course, but particularly for people with hearing loss um, because of the isolation that people face. So we were really, really committed to getting that out early and I'm really so proud of the team for, for pulling out all the stops to do that. So that's been a big highlight for me. And we, we, we've emerged out of that as a, as a much sort of simpler outfit when it comes to our digital operation. We, we had more than 2,000 web pages before. We've reduced that by 75%. So it's not about quantity, it's about the quality. Kate Flagg, who's my uh, content lead, she's brought about content design uh, throughout that process. So we're very focused on what content people need in order to perform the actions they want to take. And uh, she's done a great job there. We've really thought about uh, design and uh, just bringing a lot more simplicity to it using the kind of gov.uk design framework. Um, And when it comes to our product, we're really, really thinking about those user needs and mapping against them all the time. And we're doing the same again with our brand as well. We're reviewing our brand. And again, very much having that in in, in our, our focus. How long have you been at Action for Hearing Loss now? I started in May 2019 and I can't believe how quickly it's gone actually. You know, I'm, I'm well over the year mark now and it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just gone so, so quickly, especially this year. You know, there's been kind of very little time to stop and think during the pandemic. Mm. I can't believe that really you've only been there what, about a, a year and a half almost. It's really not very long considering everything that you've done since you started, you know, the way in which you're talking about you know, all of the highlights, building a new website, looking at reviewing your brand, you know, all these very specialist digital roles that you've recruited into your team. You know, it certainly feels like you've been there much longer um, than, than, than May 2019. So I, I can see what um, sort of attracted you to the role because it, it seems like there's lots of exciting projects to do. Yeah, that's right. But I just, I just think we don't have time to waste, you know. I think this this is particularly true for our charity, but I think the same can be said for every charity. We don't have time to waste. We're living in such uncertain times now, and we've really got to keep pushing ahead with stuff. We need to kind of let go of that feeling of certainty and clarity. You know, obviously we've got a new strategy that we're taking forward as a charity, and, and that really is our sort of driving force behind everything we do. And I think we understand our users better than ever before. But we have to let go of that sense of um, our goal is, is designing for some sort of optimal solution. We've just got to accept that we're living in a very unpredictable time. And actually, the goal should probably, well, let's try and make this good enough. So we are working really quickly, but we've got a great team. And uh, I think when everybody's got that sort of goal in mind of let's get stuff out the door, actually, you, you, it's, it's really surprising how quickly you can get stuff done. And the pandemic has proven that it's just the best example, really. We didn't have time to lose. So now the team really feels like it wants to keep up that momentum. And I think that's really important to hold on to. Mm. And to deliver three weeks early, you know, is very unusual because normally you're hearing about sort of delays. So, you know, you're right in saying that the pandemic does show what, what you can achieve. And, and just sort of touching back on, on your sort of job title again, that, you know, di- director of uh, digital, that's sort of bringing together, you know, digital marketing and, and comms. How have you sort of found that? Because, you know, I know that you're sort of well networked in the sector and, 
know that a lot of charities aren't structured like that. So what have you seen sort of the, the benefits that that's brought to um, action on hearing loss? It's interesting because I actually really don't like the word digital, um, which is which is funny because it's in my job description and my job title. But actually, I, I actually made a, a good effort to remove the word digital from a lot of people's job roles because I, I really dislike this sort of distinction between, oh, so over here we do face-to-face -face and over here we do digital things. I don't think it's mm -hmm. helpful because actually uh, digital is all around us. It, it powers everything we do in society in ways that people don't even imagine. So actually... For me, it's it's a kind of mechanism for getting there, but uh, it shouldn't really be this sort of separate thing. So I, I try to sort of get people to stop thinking about digital in that in that light. And I think the setup we've got works quite well, you know, because we are integrated with, uh, you know, the sort of brand and marketing side as well. That for me helps us to sort of um, move beyond just keep talking about digital. So that did involve uh, moving my team around, changing job titles, that sort of thing. Um, and I think it, it helps us when we go out to other teams to really stop talking about, oh, well, you know, this thing is going to go on the website or stop talking about the channels and actually say, right, what is the purpose of this content or what is the goal of what you're trying to do? Um, and let's think about all the different ways in which we can push that out to people. And we're in the midst of redesigning our services right now as a charity so that we can move forward with, with our new strategy. And that's a really exciting piece of work that I'm, I'm really, really proud to be, to be involved with. Um, and I, I know, you know, in that piece of work, it's really easy to kind of get caught up in, oh, well, what are we going to do on digital? What are we going to do face to face? And, you know, some of the things I've been saying recently are, there are millions of people who are digitally excluded in this country. You know, there's something like up to 5 million people who, who are excluded. And um, we've got a duty to try and help those people as well as the people who find it really easy to, to log on and, and get on. And uh, the, the easy thing to say would be, well, we need to do lots of face-to-face -face activities and there isn't really any kind of digital element to that. But actually, if you think about having um you know everything that's sort of digitally empowered so the information that we uh, and support that we give is actually empowered by a, you know a central digital resource it's actually you know volunteers boots on the ground uh, that can then that take that out into communities and you know if we end up doing that then actually we're not the first people to do that actually you know there's great models if you look at the likes of citizens advice you know, they, they have uh, offices up and down the country where people can go in, get the support they need. Uh, but actually, a lot of that is, is empowered by, you know, a great digital resource and a, a centralized team of subject matter experts. So I, I try to move away from that distinction wherever I can, uh, because I, don't, I just don't think it's helpful. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of charities do still see digital and then marketing comms and brand as two separate things and I think yeah I think you've really hit the nail on the head that everything that you do has got to have a kind of has got to be relevant for digital it just you know even your brand all your marketing and comms it's just one thing now really isn't it exactly exactly by doing that I think you then stop stop sort of fussing over the channel and you you're really much more focused on the user and that's the most important thing really 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, give us some, I suppose, advice for other people in the sector, you know, people that maybe are starting out their careers and want to work in digital, or they might be managers and thinking about the next step. What kind of advice would you have for, for those people within the sector? Okay, I want to say straight away that I didn't go to some sort of digital director school, okay? Um, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't followed uh, that kind of path. I don't even know if that exists, probably, because there's money to be made from it. But I certainly didn't go down that path. And I just want to say to people, like, if you want to get there, you can absolutely do it. If I take myself all the way back to when I was about nine years old in my primary school, they, they got uh, two computers for the first time and they put them in the corner of the library and I remember uh, uh, vividly remember the day where we had to go and use these computers and I cried because I didn't know how to turn it on you know I so that was my like first experience of technology in the kind of workplace as a nine-year-old and it was really terrifying so actually you know you can you can do whatever you want you can achieve it and I, I think it's it's not about the qualifications necessarily it's about that willingness and ambition to, to want to get out there and, and do it. And I, I think the best people that I recruit now are, are you know, what you call T-shaped people. You know, you've, you've got the kind of core set of skills, but actually you've just got that willingness and the drive and passion and energy to just branch out and try new things. You know, some of the best people I work with are the ones that are just willing to put their hand to anything. So I really think, that's that's important to to keep in mind alongside you know do i need this training do i need these qualifications yeah of course you know you can go ahead and get lots of agile training and those things are definitely desirable uh, but there's lots of stuff that you can do you know for me i spend a lot of time um on linkedin so i have a premium account on there it's it's like just over 20 quid a month if you can afford that then it's well worth it there are thousands of courses you can do and uh, I, I think I pay a fiver for a medium subscription there are so many people willing to share their experience and knowledge and tips I, I can live on there honestly you know you can learn a lot from that and uh, you know some people say you should fake it till you make it I think there's probably something in that so I, I yeah I just really would encourage people to to really think about um, just going in there with that drive and energy, not getting too hung up about, oh, should I apply for this job? Because, you know, I might not have all the necessary qualifications that are on the on the job description. Just go for it, I think. And you, you never know what you might find. And I think that's really inspiring advice for, for people to hear, actually, because I think quite often job descriptions do have a long list of, you know, must-haves. But actually, in reality, they might not be the most important important um, part of, of selection which you know as you said and and LinkedIn is such good advice because a lot of people especially those in charities they perhaps don't have the same amount of resource to invest in on-job training and those people perhaps in more traditional marketing jobs that sort of come to us wanting to move more into to a digitally focused role but don't quite know how to you know improve their experience on the digital side those LinkedIn courses and that sort of networking on there, you know, is really valuable. So, so hopefully for those people listening, that's really useful sort of practical advice for them to, to take on board. And I would say, actually, 
that it, it really is worth it. So I, I have a friend who unfortunately lost his job uh, in March because of the pandemic and uh, he retrained to go into into social work and i you know i said to him get yourself on linkedin just pay for one month's membership and get through as many courses as you can uh, that, that will really help you with you know different communication skills and so on he did it and he was able to put a whole load of stuff on his cv and i just i think it really enhanced his cv and you know it was a great way to get through lockdown as well so I, I do think, you know, if, if people can do it, then they should. And even if you can't afford that, there are so many free resources out there. Uh, if you're particularly interested in getting into digital marketing, then there's things like the Facebook Blueprint courses, absolutely free, designed by Facebook themselves. If you follow those, then, you know, you've got the information from the people who create it. There's the Google Academy for all the different Google applications. There's so many different um, courses out there that don't even cost anything. So I would just get, get encourage you to go ahead tonight and, and sign up for one of these. That's such good advice. Thanks, Michael. Tell us about where you see kind of like the biggest growth areas in digital for the sector. It, I suppose there are so many different things that are growing now and COVID has probably enhanced some at a faster pace than we might have you know might have initially um thought but but what do you see the biggest growth areas in digital are this is such a good question and it's always the type of question that comes up at the the conferences that we no longer attend uh oh. you know every year we're always asking this question like what next and i suppose i can guarantee you two things are going to happen right guarantee them now so one is that lots of things will stay the same. And the second thing is that lots of things will change. <laughs> but I don't know what. <laughs> We've got to accept that that is as probably as much as we know. Of course, people are speculating, you know, the office is dead. No, we'll all go back to offices. There's been all sorts of speculation about how this is going to affect every single sector. And some of those may or may not be true, uh, but I think that's all I can guarantee you, that's, that definitely, no matter how uh, crazy kind of Armageddon this gets, things will stay the same, but a hell of a lot will also change. I think what we need to be doing is, especially as charities, we just need to be super adaptable. We have to like loosen the shackles that charities put on themselves. I think having not come from this as my background, I find that as one of my biggest frustrations about charities that we 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 overcomplicate things. We we kind of get bogged down in in the process sometimes, and actually, there's no time for that anymore. We have to loosen those shackles. We have to 100% focus on delivering value for the user. And the thing is, we might not actually know what that really looks like anymore. You know, so I think before, you know, we we had complicated situations certainly. But they were often fairly predictable. And I think you could use, you know, expert analysis or knowledge to try, to try and navigate a path, uh, build a roadmap. And, uh, you know, we would we'd be working towards that. But I think now we're moving into this much more complex space. And, I, you know, I've been reading recently about this idea of designing for emergence. And I think that's quite an interesting idea that actually maybe we can't roadmap our entire future anymore things aren't as oddly as we expect and therefore you know we have to maybe respond much more uh we we have to just accept that things may just have to be good enough 
but getting it out the door is a really important thing. Everything's very entangled and emerging in this world right now. And I think, you know, what we did during COVID was a really good example of that. We, we got the content out there to support people really quickly. And we've had, I think, something like 50 or 60,000 people, uh, you know, look at that content now uh, and, and get the advice that they need. But also we wow. tried other things too. You know, we launched our video um, service for BSL users to provide information over video chat. And, you know, if I'm honest, it hasn't really been as successful as we'd hoped. But we could have spent six months trying to plan and design that. And uh, and actually, we would have missed the boat. Uh, and, I, and I just think now we've got to get into that mindset of let's get stuff out there. Let's try it. If it doesn't work, we'll kill it. If it works really well, we'll scale it up. And that mindset is not pervasive, pervasive enough in the charity sector right now. And I think we really need to keep pushing for that mentality. Yeah, it's a bit more of a kind of commercial mentality. Like it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. Let's just try it and see. And then if it doesn't ma- it doesn't work, you can try something else. I think, you know, I think yeah. charities are sometimes a little bit fearful of doing a project and then it not working and then having to sort of say, oh, we did spend a bit of budget. It hasn't worked but then just trying something else. Do do you know what I mean? Well, exactly. You know, traditionally, you know, project management would see you taking a project on, uh, we go away and, you know, it gets developed in a dark room for two years and then you emerge and everybody hates it. And actually we can't do that anymore. You know, we've got to be more adaptive. And I think this affects every corner of every charity if you think about fundraising the traditional methods of fundraising haven't been possible because we're not allowed to leave our homes so you know you've got to think about fresh ways of of tackling uh, the problems that we have and coming up with new solutions and we have to do it quickly just look at what's happening around around us you know i get the third sector news every day and there's another wave of redundancies at a different charity every single day so it's definitely affecting our sector. The things are changing very quickly. But look at what's happening in other sectors. You know, the latest news is is that is that another bank, TSB, are closing 160 branches, another thousand jobs to go. Day after day, there there are significant changes in different sectors uh, as we push to to a different way of work, uh, a different way of living. That there's if you look at supermarkets, you know, Amazon have gone to war with the supermarkets and and are moving into you know free delivery all over the country and so on so every sector is changing very very quickly and i think the future that we thought was going to happen in five years it's already here and i think charity leaders have a responsibility to 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 move with that and and move as quickly as we possibly can uh, you know for the benefit of the people we're there to help I was just going to say something about, um, you know, your chief executive has got rid of your office and, you know, for the time being, you are all due to be working remotely. And I think that that was obviously quite a kind of quick, but, you know, from talking to you previously, really good thing, you know, that COVID has actually really enhanced that way of working and being more flexible and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. That certainly made waves when when it uh, came out in the in the sector press uh, that we were we were doing that. I think that was a, a really exciting moment for us. 
certainly there are challenges with this and the, you know those those will continue i'm sure and we've got to work through those but uh, there are definitely a lot of positives and I, and i think that's only going to continue you know i think it's it's amazing that we've we we took that decision it was quite a bold decision for for a charity to take uh, we'll see what comes out of it as we as we go over the coming months but the teams have adapted so so well and you know we we rolled out things like microsoft teams as as did many other people and what i found personally is that i catch up with people who you know i rarely spoke to before i catch up with them almost daily now and you know people across different countries uh you know in the, the four nations i'm working really closely with people that i didn't work closely with before and that's wonderful that's really nice you know we we often talked when i first arrived about this challenge about you know how do we work more collaboratively with people in our different offices and actually now we're doing that thanks to the situation we find ourselves in who use zoom and microsoft teams before covid <laughs> you know it's ridiculous really isn't it exactly exactly and again, just shows how quickly action on hearing loss, you know, make decisions because, you know, COVID obviously has been sort of around sort of six months now in terms of, you know, from when the lockdown started. But that decision was was made quite quickly, wasn't it, action on hearing loss? So again, just sort of highlights sort of the ethos that perhaps you have compared to what people might perceive of a, a sort of traditional charity, where there, there can be some expectations that they they do move that little bit slower than the commercial world, but but certainly not from uh, from what you're saying at Action on Hearing Loss. Oh, absolutely. For me, the pace has been quite quite fast. Even coming from that commercial background, you know, some of the stuff we've been doing has, has been at quite a pace. But that's exciting for me. Yes, and you sort of touched on that about how the sector is going through, you know, a huge amount of change. And you know, unfortunately, we are hearing about a lot of redundancies and, and restructures and actually what we seem to be seeing from our sort of recruitment side is that actually it is sorry to use the word you don't like digital roles <laughs> and, and digital <laughs> jobs and especially and digital fundraising and, and digital events that seems to be the area that perhaps is being you know affected least or being invested in more and I feel like COVID has certainly sped up um, that movement towards that sort of digitalization of roles. We're certainly seeing more specialist um, digital positions come in, um, you know, user experience, the SEO roles, PPC, lots of content roles that perhaps in previous years would have been supported by an agency are now being bought in-house and, and certainly that's something we've worked with you on Michael as well so well, what sort of specialist positions do you think we're going to sort of see coming out of this in in terms of those sort of specialisms in digital? That's a really interesting question and I think you're absolutely right that's definitely where things are moving. I think for me it, it's it's what we're trying to achieve and then the you know the skills sort of emerge from that so Obviously, as a charity, you need to have really strong foundations, you know, and you, you need to think about the way you want to operate, the ways of working, the infrastructure you have. Uh, on top of that, you know, you, you build your kind of business architecture, if you like, how are we going to uh, create good user journeys for people? How are we going to market what we do to people? But I think the bit that people often forget is the kind of ecosystem that we want to try and create. So I, I always liken it as to like building a house. So every ha good house needs really strong foundations. 
and then you've got the architecture of the house uh, that, that, that takes takes its shape. But it's only when kind of people move in and you've got neighbours and there's people in the garden, there's people moving through the house that you create that ecosystem. And I, and I think that's going to be increasingly important. Charities are going to have to work more closely together. We need to be thinking more about partnerships. It's not just about our charity in isolation. And inevitably, a lot of that is is powered by a lot of these digital roles that you talk about. So those types of people are obsessed with the end user. They're obsessed with delivering value. Um, and I think it's those sort of skills that are going to be really, really critical going forward because there isn't time to waste. There isn't money to waste. And so if we're going to really design great services and products that really meet the needs of users, we're going to need people with those skills. And it's certainly those people that I work with right now who excite me the most because they come in with such energy and passion for the end user. It's really encouraging that I work with people who look at the research, they look at the data, they really, you know, they interpret that data and research in a way and you know we 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 create things off the back of it that hopefully then go on to have an impact so i i think those kind of skills are really important and then i think that kind of mindset of moving away from your own assumptions is really important as well because we all make assumptions we do it day to day in our work lives in our personal lives and i think we need to get into a much more structured way of thinking where we think right these are the needs that we've identified. What can we do to try and solve these problems to create a really good user experience? So skills for that are, are going to be really important. So, you know, in my team, we, we have a, a design function, we have content, we have product. And uh, those three disciplines work really very well together uh, to, to be able to create that experience. And I think we need to keep building on that as a charity as well. We need to think much more about the research that we do with our users and the insights and data we get off that as well. Uh, so it's quite exciting. I, I think for, if you're in this space or you're getting into this space, there are definitely going to be more opportunities. I know we're going through a, a bad patch right now and maybe maybe some organizations have got a recruitment freeze or you know, sadly there are redundancies, uh, but we will get through this uh, as a society. And I, and I, I can place a bet now that you know when we get when we do get out of it, it is going to be these roles that help to take uh, charities forward. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you, and and actually, I do feel that we're getting more interest from people who have previously worked in commercial sectors that due to you know COVID and maybe taking some time out during lockdown are actually reassessing what they want, and a lot of them are coming back wanting to work in the charity sector or within not-for-profits where they feel that they are adding you know, more than just, you know, their day-to-day -day job, but it is part of something that, that's more important. Yeah, and that's, I was just going to say on that point, actually, that I've, I've lived through that myself, right? So I was at the Daily Telegraph where we make money for a rich guy. And, you know, I absolutely loved working at the Daily Telegraph. It was an amazing experience. Uh, and I learned so much from that as well. And it's a great company to work for. But actually, my move to the charity sector was incredible for me. I, I, you know, I must admit, when I went into my, my job interview at Click Sergeant, I, I was kind of, you know, 50%, I was interviewing them as well, because I wasn't sure whether charity was right for me. 
Um, and you know what? It was amazing right from day one because in that job interview, there was a young person uh, with cancer, you know, as part of the interview panel. And that really brought it home to me. He asked the most difficult questions uh, of the interview. And you know what? I thought, actually, I really want to work at a place like this. And when we were designing the products and services there, I remember quite vividly going to hospital wards. I remember going to our um, accommodation for families and meeting uh, young people. You know, I remember sitting with one guy whilst he was on chemo and I was just chatting to him about his day-to-day life, trying to get a better understanding of how Click Sergeant could help people like him. And there is no better feeling to know that you've gone ahead and created something that's, that's connected people. And, you know, back in Click Sergeant days, we rolled out live chat, um, which at the time felt like, well, you know, some other charities are doing it. I think this, you know, could definitely be very useful given the demographic we're dealing with. And look how vital that must now be for them during this time where unfortunately, you know, a lot of face-to-face has, has had to to stop and has always become more challenging. So that's really, really great feeling. So I think for, for people who may be listening who are in a commercial environment, charity sector is definitely a great, great place to be. Yes, and it's great you've been through that so that you can really see both sides. And, you know, is there any advice that you might give to somebody who's, you know, looking to make that move? And, you know, sometimes it can feel like there's a little barrier, you know, for people from outside the sector getting these roles. You know, we're often asked for people who already have charity experience. You know, is there any thoughts you've got around around that sort of request? Well, I I think people from from a commercial background are, are quite attractive to charities. I, I think they bring a, a fresh perspective. So I think if they are seriously interested, then then go for it. Because actually, I think a lot of charities would really benefit from from their knowledge and experience of a different sector. And I always say, wherever I work, but you know, I've said it actually on Hearing Loss as well. I, I say we have to stop looking at what we're doing as a charity. We have to stop looking at what charities are doing, and we have to look beyond that, and we have to look at other sectors, because. Charities don't operate in a bubble or in isolation. You know, the people that we're there to help, their everyday lives are being shaped and impacted by all their experiences from different sectors. So if you think about the way we do our banking, the way we book holidays, the way we go shopping, all of these things are being uh, impacted by innovation in, in different sectors. So we can't operate in isolation. And that's why I think people from other sectors are incredibly valued to this uh, to the charity sector. So if we come to sort of conclude our chat, can you give us some sort of final words of wisdom for for people that may be listening who are sort of starting out in their careers or um, are kind of looking to make the jump from from manager to kind of ahead of or progress their career in any way? I think if I was going to say one thing, it's about having that sort of passion and drive and energy for what you do. You've really got to care about it because otherwise it's just a job that pays the bills, right? And Mm. I think back to my very first job as a trainee reporter at the Wiltshire Times, that made me, you know, I, I was so passionate about driving around, around Wiltshire, meeting great people and interviewing them, finding out about their lives, their stories. And I've taken that through every job I've ever done. And I think that's, that's what you've got to hold on to. You know, the charity doesn't exist for the sake of it. Uh, it's not there just to give people jobs. 
It's there to help people, whatever the charity. And I think just keep that in mind. And that's where you'll find your passion. So no matter how far removed you might be from the sort of front line, so to speak, really hold on to that. Try and immerse yourself in what the charity does because that's where you're going to get the energy to get out of bed every morning and do what you have to do. I'd say that works both ways, Michael, because you know, we've hired some really fantastic people for your team and every one of them has come away really wanting that job and, and really wanting yeah. to work for you. And they all agree it is because of that sort of passion that you've got and that clear vision of, of why you're doing it. And I, you know, I think, like you said earlier, that the interview processes now are a two-way thing. So, you know, that, that obviously comes across, you know, from the way in which you interview people and it inspires something in, in others, which, you know, when you're competing for the top talent is, is very helpful. Well, now people know where they need to come and work. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let them know if we get any inquiries. We'll let, you, we'll let you know if we get any inquiries. Thank you so much for talking to us today, Michael. If you have any further questions, please don't hesitate to get in touch and don't forget to subscribe to the show for free on whatever podcast app you prefer. Bye.